Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Arreta, CBS Sports Lead, NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team Soccer Writer. Joined today by my colleague and co-host, NWSL analyst and play-by-play announcer, Lisa Roman. And we are joined today by a special guest, the return of Lori Lindsay, who is currently an NWSL analyst for CBS Sports. She made 31 appearances as a midfielder for the United States Women's National Team from 2005 to 2013. She helped the team to a 2012 London Olympics gold, and she earned a silver medal with the 2011 FIFA World Cup. Lori, welcome back. Oh my goodness. Thanks for having me. I love it when I get the ask and to join you too. So hell yeah. Thank you. Lori, Lori, last time we spoke, you were about to head off to cover some Olympics. Um, you were the analyst on a lot of those broadcasts. How how did it go from the broadcast booth? How were the Olympics for you? Um, amazing. And such a fun experience. Honestly, uh, NBC put together such a good group, um, both on the men's and women's side. And some of us crossed over to do both games. But it was, it was honestly, it was such a good a good setup, a good environment. And a uh, side note, like to wake up to call games in the morning is like your hype, right? So it was like just hilarious that we're catching the shuttle from the hotel, right? To go to the, the studios. Um, but I'll tell you on Monday morning to wake up as a fan, you, everyone who's waking up just to like cheer on the teams that those are the true like heroes in this situation because that was so much more difficult than waking up to call the game and get hype. I'm like, what are people doing my alarm's going off i'm like get out of town with this this is amazing you gotta bring the energy it's a different type of wake up call. yeah and the Honestly, people... it's, it's different waking up to go to work which is essentially what you were doing yeah and another thing to wake up and be like all right i gotta be this hype man i gotta be this hype woman i gotta be this hype person i gotta bring this energy that's a different type of way oh i know and so credit to everybody because i was just hearing about the numbers and stuff rivaling what nbc does with the premier league and stuff so i mean like for 1 a.m west coast 4 a.m games east coast hell yeah i mean amazing support and, and we owe it all to the caffeine, really. I mean, we've been doing <laughs> caffeine check-ins on Twitter. Sandra and I do them every episode, um, at which, honestly, they kept us going throughout this Olympics. And Sandra and I, lucky enough to get up and watch the games to work as well. But it's still hard. That, that 3 a.m., 3.30 a.m. alarm is brutal. And then you can't even be super loud during the game because the rest of the house is sleeping. It's, it's quite the balance. It's quite the balance. It's been... Um, it's been a wild Olympic journey so far. Lori, the last time you were with us, it's like the Olympics were just starting. We had you on here to preview 
the United States Women's National Team. We took an like we had an overview look of the Group G matchup, talked about the teams and the competition that they were going to face. And now on this episode, we're going to be talking about the United States in a bronze medal match against Australia. Uh, so before we get into to all the, the nuts and bolts of this bronze medal match, I just want to remind our listeners that they can find us on Twitter at Attacking Third and that they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your shows. Uh, and I want us to get into this episode a little bit, but Laura, you didn't you didn't join us for our last our last episode. And what Lisa and I have been doing during this Olympic stretch is we've been joining our listeners like live after these matches. We're talking quick first reactions, um, and we had to do that uh, in this semifinal matchup against Canada. And there was a lot of uh, Lisa and I gave our, you know, our first reactions. And since we're going live, we get a lot of really reactions from from the fan base as well. And and, and they're obviously feeling a lot of uh, emotion in a certain type of way. Uh, so I think before we actually get into previewing what could happen in this bronze medal match, I, I really want us to pick your brain a little bit, if you'll allow us as a former player um, to sort of walk us through the emotions of like kind of, you know, a big match and and having the you know the goal that you set for yourself entering a gold medal final maybe falling a little bit short of that what's the mindset for this team post game and currently looking ahead to this bronze medal match because it's not a quick window of time where you can kind of feel bad about yourself yeah no you can't and i think that's the toughest part because i think it's been you know, a um, emotional journey all along for this women's national team. And I think we can all agree on that. It's been a bit of a wild ride and not much um, that we expected throughout. So, um, but in terms of, you know, fortunately the loss to, to Canada and, and not a, what many of the, the players would say, a, a very um, exciting or prolific match and performance, um, you know, you have time to like feel it out and feel your emotions, but then it really is the next day when you're either doing recovery or you're um, putting in extra minutes, If you, depending on how many minutes you played. Um, it is, it's about getting back to business because as, as you know, what's interesting about the U S team and, and this is like, there's so much emotion in these games um, in terms of the, the expectation to win um, alone and the excitement just in general of the tournament and the the pace of the tournament, how quick it is. So there's all, already, um, you know, uh, emotionally tiredness, I guess is the way that I would put it already coming into these games and then to, to fall short um, of your, of your ultimate goal um, just adds to that. But again, it's really about bouncing back and, and weathering those storms as quickly as possible. And you're saying, Hey, there's still a lot to play for. And, you know, the, I think the thing that, if I was still on the team or it, in times that I can remember when we fell short um, when I was playing is it's just really about um, enjoying the moment and still like, Hey, we didn't play our best matches, but we still are, we're in the bronze medal match. And that's massive to think like, okay, we're not playing our best soccer, but here we go. There's still a lot to play for and we can medal here. And so quick turnaround, um, get back to business. And honestly, get back to the way that they want to play, which is like with more fire, right? More fire and more like, you know, I hate to say it, but passion. And I think we've heard Julie Fowdy say it as well afterwards, more joy in what, what's happening. Cause I think that's the biggest thing that's been missing from this team that we're, we usually see. 
And one thing for this United States team um, that Sandra asked you about and you definitely just touched on is not only the emotions and having the goal of being in the final to win gold or, or silver, and now that it's bronze, it's almost a bit deflating, but we have to remember that this team hasn't played their best throughout this Olympic stretch. And now to get back on track mentally and think we need to come out of this with a medal and not let the outside voices come in and say, oh, it's not gold. It doesn't matter. It's it's not as important or anything. So is there a bit of a justification for this team to, to just come out of it with a medal, even though it's not gold or silver? No. I mean, I think the thing is, whenever it fell short in 2016, I'll always remember that, right? It's um, even metal in that one. And now it's it's like about um, performing and, and doing, uh, taking care of business on the field. And, you know, whatever that looks like, because I think the interesting thing about this tournament, too, is it shows how much there's, there's so much more parity. The expectations of our women's national team, the expectations that are on this women's national team are are somewhat amazing and also laughable because it's like we just expect like every every game to be win um excellent performances right and i even laughed like when i played it was like you're expected to be a hundred percent 11 months out of the year and that's just absurd when it comes to performance right and so there's going to be lapses we see this in the men's game all the time you know high expectations for certain teams and then you know so this would be considered falling short but it's also freaking bronze medal that you're playing for in the olympics and like hell yeah you take that right you take that and Mm -hmm. guarantee that this is what this team is this is built on they'll know that um they'll be disappointed in the performances we've heard them say that um and but they're also be looking to fight and um and you know with a rematch with australia too yeah i I wanted to also ask you your perspective on something else again we were covering this semifinal post game and and there was so many things happening uh i had to file some things on the written side of, of cbs sports and we had to get this episode launched and um there were all sorts of like post game media reactions happening so we were also trying to keep our eye on that and one of the things that did happen was a, a former team of yours or you might, you might have heard of her megan rapino was of course like being asked all of this post game reaction and um she she did that is incredibly tough to be the face, uh, you know, after a, a, a loss like that. But she went ahead and was available post game, and uh, while she's doing these quick post game reactions in this sort of exit interview at the semifinal, there's Carly Lloyd's in the background doing like sprints, <laughs> and I'm I was just like, is is that like is that what you leave with out of a out of a loss like this? Because I'm gonna take us back a little bit when we we had you on and, and and we were doing the Olympic preview episode. We talked about maybe some of the things, some of the strengths or opportunities that were going to be for this United States team going into the Olympics. And one of the things we talked about a little bit was an X factor and the X factor being like this sort of uh, the mental strength that they have. Um, but I think there's been a lot of discussion throughout some of these games where we're talking about it right now a little bit, wanting to see them play with a little bit more joy. What like you bring up, needed to see a little bit more passion on the pitch is is this is that still an opportunity all the like now that we're towards the end of this olympic games is that something that this team can uh say that they're gonna be able to rely on is that an x factor still for this team even though maybe we haven't seen it so much 
Um, I, I think that that's an X factor for any team a lot of time. And that looks different depending on um, who you're playing for. Right. And it depends on like what your culture is and what you're building on. Um, I absolutely think though, that's a, that is a, um, that is an X factor for this team. I think case in point 2019, right? I mean, that team rallied around one another to win. And, and I think sometimes we forget that we just breeze through that tournament. Those are some really, towards the end, there are some really close games. So in the, in this tournament, yes, I think it's, it's you know, I, I've stayed steered clear. I mean, it's no surprise that like Megan and I are really good friends, but I have, you know, allowed those players that I'm still close with to just have their experience there. They don't need outside people like, Hey, what's going on in camp or what's, you know, cause these are just the ebbs and flows of like sometimes what happens in tournaments too. And it's just hard to be able to turn things on or, or readjust, right. Depending on if you get the momentum early on in the tournament or not. But, um, I do think it's an X factor. I do think that, um, if they can find that against Australia, that will, that will, how do I say it? We'll see the performance that we're used to, right? It won't mm-hmm. see, seem like so many things are so labored out there because that's what it feels like. It just feels like there's a lack of rhythm. And because of that, there isn't so much like, yeah, let's go. Let's keep finding. There's, it's so I'm trying to find my words here to explain it the best. Um, but yeah, I do think, I think, can we get back to like pressing some teams? Can we get back to linking play and just some of the simple things and, and, and finding joy in that and then individual players being able to express? Because that's what I feel like. It doesn't feel like we've had a lot of expression um, from individual players to be able to show like, this is what we're all about, right? I'm into that. that I like question. the energy. I, I think the energy is still good. I think uh, everything that we sort of heard and saw out of the post-game reaction from the team is maybe not the type of uh, emotion that anyone really wanted to see. I mean, the, the joy of, of victory and then the agony of defeat are two extremely different emotions totally. on the spectrum of, of Olympic emotions, right? So nobody wants to, to see somebody in agony like that, but you're watching this team and they're having a response. You know, they're mm-hmm. having a response to a very, very tough and difficult moment. And, uh, I think it was it was very telling that a lot of these players, whether it's a Megan Rapino or Carly Lloyd or even like an Alyssa Nair, who's not going to be available, and we'll get into that yeah. a little bit more, already echoing those sentiments where it's like, look, this is tough. Mm-hmm. Not where we want it to be, but we absolutely still have a medal to play for, and we've got to totally. play, bring it. Like that's, and yeah. it's literally all that's left for them yeah. uh, as, at the end of these Olympics. Yeah. You know, and the only thing that has really surprised me, I mean, who cares really about performances, right? You're going to have good performance, you're going to have bad performances, is just that, what you said. And this that's what this team is built on, like the legacy of like, we are showing up for big games, we are going to fight like hell for one another, right? There's a lot more that this team like represents than just on-field performances. And I think surprisingly, that's a little bit, where most of us have been at this tournament though, is because, okay, things weren't like that convincing in the group play. And then it was like, we heard everyone say, okay, now the tournament starts in the knockout stages. 
And then it wasn't that convincing then either, right? And then the last, and then against Canada. So I think that's what makes me say, hmm, what is happening here? What's going on? Who's actually the voice right now in the locker room saying, let's go? Or why is there um, just like this lack of what seems to be cohesion on the field, right? So um, so I, I'm hoping that's what shows up because I've been waiting for them to be like, this is our effing response, right? <laughs> and like... For some reason or another, I mean, again, all the factors, right? There's so much happening. I don't think any of us who aren't there, I can relate having been in these big tournaments before, but I don't think we can, I can also put myself in the exact position of what's happening in Tokyo in terms of COVID, this team being together for the longest out of any team. I was a little bit concerned about that. Um, The amount of time with it being in isolation, playing uh, Mexico two um, two times prior with like that lead up as well. I mean, that's a lot of time to be in like tight unit as a group. And then so suspected to come out and perform every single, like every two days. No, that's, a, that's exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lori, that's a great point. And you're waiting for that bubble over frustration to come out on the field. And Sandra, you mentioned the, the post game media availability and, Rapino uh, speaking to how this team is taking this responsibility on themselves, which mm-hmm. is is good to see. It's good to see that honesty that they're like, this is our problem and we need to fix it. We do have higher expectations of ourselves. And then also Carly Lloyd running sprints in the background. Of course, that's due to fitness and, and you, you want to get better. But also that's a form of releasing your frustration. We saw her collapse on the field after the mm-hmm. game, head in hands, just mentally and physically distraught after the performance of this United States team. And that's, that's a way to get out your frustration. I've been there. You just go on a long run and think about things. And for a player like Carly Lloyd, who is so intense and expects the most of herself and the most of her teammates and the most of her country, when you fall short in those moments, you have to release your frustration somewhere. And I hope Mm -hmm. that after we saw them in that, those, the media availability being so upset and, and understanding that this is not the team they want to be, that they can turn it around. They have one more game. They have a chance to medal, a chance to get bronze. Um, and a chance to prove to the world that they are still the team that we have seen over the last several years and even leading up to this Olympic tournament that can high press, be on the front foot, score a lot of goals and have that fun, joyous energy that we haven't seen from this team. Yeah, for sure. I am loving the table that we're setting, quite frankly, as we are about to get into previewing this Australia match. We had to, I, I thought I was like, we need to do this. We got to talk about it. We got to bring the feelings a little bit first, get them out before we actually get into tactics, before we actually get into a scouting report of Australia. Um, and before we do that, we got to check in with each other. Like we've been checking in with each other, all Olympics. It's not a caffeine check-in. It's a hydration break. Cause when we're sipping all that caffeine, we still have to remember to stay hydrated. So cheers. Cheers. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Great to hear. Quick break, and we'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's get into it. The bronze medal match, August 5th, taking place 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be an early one, folks. Join us. Uh, we will be live with post-game reactions to that match as well, as we have been providing for everyone throughout this entire Olympics. But we're going to have two matches taking place. There's going to be the bronze medal match and the uh, Olympic gold medal final uh, against uh, Sweden, uh, facing off against Canada, and then... Uh, that's going to be the later of the doubleheader. So we're going to be taking a look at the United States women's national team and Australia uh, bronze medal match in this one. So if you're up early enough or if you miss the game or you want to sleep through it and then just hear those reactions, we'll be, we'll be there for you all. But three of these four teams that are going head-to-head in this final doubleheader are Group G teams when we previewed this olympics the three of us we talked a bit about that how that particular group was really presented as sort of like that group of death which is something that you mostly hear around world cups in a tournament that's a bit bigger and has more teams uh but you couldn't help but take a look at that group g lineup and say oh this is going to be tough and maybe it's just not too surprising to some of us who do this that three of these final four teams (laughs) were group g candidates it's it's you love to see it. In terms of United States going up against Australia, let's continue to sort of set this table for everybody. These two teams met each other in the final match day of group play. Okay. And it looked and felt a certain type of way. <laughs> and the game ended in a scoreless 0-0 draw. Lori, <laughs> That's a good way to set it up. I like that. Lori, because <laughs> I'm, I'm setting you up and I need you to hit it out the park here for yeah. it. Because <laughs> again, Lisa, Lisa and I chatted about it. We we had our feelings. We've they're, been they're on the road. We sat at the table and we had a snack. They're and now on record. Going. You could go back and listen to him. But I I gotta get yours. You know. So again, I'm I'm asking you to reach back a little bit, Lori. Um, what were some of your impressions in that final match day three matchup between United States and Australia, and sort of seeing it play out and having it be a scoreless draw? What the hell is happening? <laughs> you know, and I, I think that was like really the um, the one game that left everyone a little bit like, oh my goodness. And, and in some ways, not necessarily like, oh my goodness, this is terrible, right? But also because the, I think, you know, in, in one in one category, it's like, okay, yes, we're so used to like the strategy of like, listen, you want to get off on um, a, a really good start in that first game, build momentum, right? Then, you know, there's going to be some rotations, exactly what we saw from Vlatko. And then you finish group play, group play strong, and then you, you're riding that momentum, right? And obviously in this situation, that didn't happen, right? It was like a really dismantling of the U.S. in that first game, shell-shocked in a lot of ways like uh, that we've never seen before. Okay, tough to regroup, but also 
tons of tournament to play. You have to regroup and then play New Zealand and still not as convincing, even though there's some goal scoring. Right. So to me, this would have been the game to say, Hey, let's continue to push the pace a little bit. We have a deep enough, deep enough roster, especially adding those four. One of the things that all of us have talked about and a shoe in for the U S I think if you look at all the other teams and to not do that again, Clearly, I'm not on the coaching staff, but to not have that, it's like that was the biggest surprise because it was like, I don't know if you all saw the little meme that was going around, but from the Simpsons where they're doing like just like the side shuffle and like no one's touching one another. Yes. And like, like <laughs> yeah. the meme of um, Australia versus US. I mean, in some ways I had to laugh because you're just like, yeah. yeah, that is what happened, right? It's true. It's, it's, it's so funny to see that type of, I, you got to love it. The fandom coming oh, so much is always the internet remains undefeated. It, it's so true though. Um, especially during the final, maybe 15 minutes of that match. I think both of those teams at that point, maybe kind of knew that they just needed the draw to advance. And we just didn't see it really play out. I think the way that any of us thought. Totally. Going to. and, and, uh, and I'll say this, like, for Australia, to me, that made a lot of sense, right? They had they were in the, like not in the same position as us, you know. For them just to get a draw is at least going to secure them in that third place, right? Um, and so, to me, it made a little bit more sense for us, though. For the U.S., I was just like, listen, I'm all for like different coaching strategies and tactics and stuff. Like, I- I'll talk about that all day. But in terms of what this team is built on and where I saw like the trajectory of how the tournament was going, I'm like, this is dangerous to play with because that's really difficult to turn on after you haven't been playing that well. And then to be like, hey, listen, we're going to start the tournament now. Well, other teams have been playing for three games. What do you mean the tournament starts now? And I think that just like is dangerous to play with because – we've seen how it's played out, right? It hasn't been great. There hasn't, still hasn't been a ton of rhythm. So yeah, I mean, listen, it was strange to me again. I'm not, I'm not in the camp obviously. And, um, and for two teams to come out, especially the U S I thought like, Hey, listen, let's press them. Let's go after them. They're allowing us to do that. This isn't. And so, um, but for both teams, just to kind of like, yeah. And, and it, back and forth. It, <laughs> just like the Simpsons. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't that surprising to see that from Australia though, which which you alluded to, but the fact that the United States was so passive um was so surprising especially with the players that they do have and and like you said ending this group stage this could have been their high for them after coming off of a win over New Zealand this was their chance to keep that momentum riding and and really keep it going but to play for a draw is so uncharacteristic of the United States and I I believe in post-game press conference Black Wendonofsky said something along the lines of um hey they executed the game plan correctly this is what we wanted okay great you can play great defense but we need to score goals the United States needs to put teams on their heels put a high press on and put a lot of pressure on opponents back lines and also try out new things you didn't have the ball a lot against Sweden you weren't able to work out your offense and find passing rhythm in the field this was their opportunity to do that and in this matchup, Australia controlled possession of the game. Even at the end of the game, I think it was 61% possession towards Australia. And the United States weren't even in that favor, which is something they traditionally dominate statistically against their opponents. Yeah. And just two things to that point quickly is that like the, 
awesome. Like, yes, you did execute yeah. the game plan, right? I just think it was such a departure from what they had been doing and what that what we've seen under Vlaco the entire time. And and I'm not no way bashing Vlaco. Like, you know, we're seeing all those things should be fired. Okay, like that whole topic is, in my opinion, is kind of like <laughs> that's like we don't even need to talk about that. But um, it was such a departure, right? The whole time mm-hmm. in his his tenure as a coach, it's been about let's put teams under pressure, and then if they're sitting back, then let's be let's um, you know let's be mindful of that, and let's figure out ways to break these teams down. But we are still going to go after these teams. And when you look at the stats um, across, like who's leading in terms of goal scoring, there's not one U.S. player in the top. And for a team that's built on Hell yeah, they get energy from you know leading leading in those um, categories for people scoring goals, for being hungry to find the back of the net and to not even be present on any of those um, in any of those categories. And to me, you're just like there's some like major questions that you're like, okay, what we could have really put a statement down um, and say, okay, listen, these first two games have still haven't been great. Here we go again now. Absolutely. Let's continue uh, maybe scouting Australia a little bit. Uh, they're coming off of, uh, they're entering this bronze medal match, I think, in terms when we're talking about momentum and uh, mental fatigue or lack thereof, or maybe they're on the better side of that. The soccer that they've been playing during this Olympic stretch, uh, the times I've happened to be able to watch this, this Australia team, I've enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, teams that were looking for playing with passion and playing with joy. I think we're seeing it out of uh, the Matildas, quite frankly. And while they're coming into a a bronze medal game, again, because everybody enters this tournament and wants to strive for gold, right? Uh, Maybe they're also looking at things in a similar mindset that the United States are, where this is like the last opportunity to sort of, you know, be able to, you know, end out your Olympics with a, with a statement, make the podium, right? Mm -hmm and represent your country and they're coming off of these types of matches uh where they have just been playing some really thrilling moments uh, sam kerr has been providing some real highlights some real heroic moments um that extra time game against great britain you know even this match this this recent semifinal match against sweden you know they had a bit of added, mo- added motivation in, in that game and that they were really the only team throughout the olympics that were was able to score multiple goals against mm-hmm. this, this swedish side um so it just again that's soccer, baby, and it plays out the way that it plays out. They did not uh, advance into that that gold medal match, and now they're going to be going up against the United States. Um, for both of you, for both of you, um, Lisa, I'll let you go first. Uh, who are you looking for on Australia's side to maybe have, um, you know, a, a big impact? You know, there's a there's a, obviously a star player that we're all going to be looking at, uh, but they're also going to be without somebody uh, like Ellie Carpenter who's going to be unavailable for this match as well. So who who are you guys looking at on Australia to keep an eye on? Oh, we just talked about it a little bit and the momentum going into these final matches. And Australia has been picking up momentum, um, going up against their, their former opponents that they've had and scoring goals against Sweden, which is no easy feet. Of course, Sam Kerr, we talked about her. She needs to be dangerous in this matchup. She needs to really occupy Julie Ertz in the United States back line and make it difficult for them to join into their attack because they're so worried about Sam Kerr, but also Mary Fowler. Um, she's a big player for Australia that I think could 
be a bit of an asset. If if teams are so focused on Sam Kerr and what she can do and how she can get in behind and her ability on the ball, there's it allows space and opportunity for players around Kerr, similar to Mary Fowler, to get into the box and set up crosses and set up opportunities for this team. Um, I think that there's a lot of momentum for Australia going into this matchup. Um, and because of that, they could be on the front foot. Now, again, emotions play so much into this and the United States have a lot to prove to go up against this. And of course they can scout and they've already played against this Australian team, but so has Australia. They saw what the United States could do. Um, so now it, it allows for the Matildas to find those holes and those open gaps and, and to realize that when, O'Hara and Dunn push forward out of the back line. There are holes on the outside and in the flank. So if they can exploit that space with interchange and, and dynamic movement up top to pull even Julie Ertz out of that defensive midfield position, that's where this Australia team is going to be able to get in behind the United States. And also, I mean, taking a look at, at players and rosters, they need Sam Kerr to shoot a lot. Um, we, we touched on it a little bit. Alyssa Nair out of goal for the United States. This is an opportunity for Sam Kerr to fire shots away on Franch, who's who's most likely starting in goal for the United States. Um, but those are my players. And I think the United States will be occupied with Sam Kerr, which allows other players around her to to fill that hole and that void. Um, Lori, when you when you watch this last matchup between these two squads and Australia throughout this Olympic tournament, who stuck out to you and, and who will make an impact in this game? Yeah, I mean, well, Sandra even mentioned, you know, the one area that I'm most interested in is how, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll go back for a second. I think this is, it is such a, having played over in Australia, having a lot of those Australian players come over and play in the NWSL, two teams that are going to know each other very well. I think it's like such an exciting time for Australian women's soccer because Tony Gustafson, very familiar, obviously, almost a decade with, as assistant coach for the U.S. Women's National Team, will knows our team significantly well also this is a platform for them going being co-host for the 2023 world cup with new zealand and then also them playing in this three back i feel like tony has them in a in a way that's like a lot like sweden even though they're not playing the same formations but like let's have some fun let's attack let's have some joy let's get players in more advanced positions um and then we can drop back into uh, a formation that also keeps things secure when necessary as well um, but i am curious um, more so, I mean, we all know Sam Kerr, right? Like, and she has shown up in this tournament. I think one of the big questions is like always with like, is she get it? Can she get it done? Or is she doing it on the international stage as much as she does it on the club level in this tournament? She has like really shown up for her team um, in a big way, which has been awesome because um, what a phenomenal player. Uh, but more so I'm like, what's going to happen in the back? Because this is why it really surprised me that this happened the way that the U.S. came out against Australia in that third group play game. Because when I look at it, you had Ellie Carpenter, Alana Kennedy, and Claire Polkinghorn playing in the back. And to me, yes, Ellie Carpenter is like a safe back there in terms of her, her speed and her athleticism to make up for some of that ground. But this, now that Ellie Carpenter's out, that's a huge loss. And so that's going to force you to bring Steph Catley back, most likely. That takes her out of that, like, left wing back position um, to be able to get higher up the field and serve balls in. So, and to me, when 
no offense to these players because I think they're wonderful out of the back playmaking, but they're not the speediest players of Claire Pokinghorn by any means or Alana Kennedy. And I'm like, U.S. better be pressing the hell out of them because there are going to be gaps that we have not exploited. And if somebody wants to tell me that this was Blacko's um, idea all along, it's <laughs> a rematch and hello, psych, here we are. We're not sitting back, right? There's no more Simpsons here. We're going after this team. Oh, that's so funny. I, you know what? I love it. That's a, that's a great, a great transition. Let's, let's scout the United States a little bit. We've, we've been chatting a lot about them and, and their previous matches, getting our, our feelings and, and thoughts about that type of stuff. So looking, just zeroing in on this bronze medal match. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about it all there. No, no Alyssa Nair for this match. Uh, during that semifinal, she exited the game with what at the time looked like a hyperextended uh, knee injury. And since then, it's it's been confirmed that that is uh, what it was. Uh, no ligament damage. So, uh, honestly, quite literally, the best case scenario yeah, seriously. Uh, coming out of that uh, update for everybody. But uh, it still hurts. So, she will be unavailable for this bronze medal game. And uh, that really means that AD French is, is likely to be the starting goalkeeper in this one. Jane Campbell will likely be named to the 18. Uh, that's why they, they brought her uh, mm-hmm. to the Olympics. So in terms of the United States, Laura, you're already, uh, you're already jumping at the butt to, to talk about it a little bit. So I'm going to start with you and then we'll, and then we'll get Lisa's thoughts. So in terms of the United States, is that what you're looking for? Is that how you want them to close out this Olympics? Do you want to see that hell yeah high press coming from this team? <laughs> um, at moments, you know, I think I think that's the hilarious part is that like, again, going back to what we were talking about in that third group play game against Australia, like I'm not opposed to that, right? I think there, I love that there's facts that like you can close out games in certain ways. I just think it came at an interesting time when there wasn't much rhythm or momentum for the u.s team in that previous matchup um but i think at times yeah i mean for sure i think you got to look at what teams are giving you and you know there's no guarantee that they're going to come out in this three four two one that we've seen them been playing um but i I think i think they might right because i think for that sends a message that this is like you know they believe in themselves they're pushing their their team forward they are not going to back down i believe and um Quite frankly, I don't think they should. They've gotten themselves into this position for Australia. So for the U.S., I I say at times because pick your moments, right? I think the thing that we've been lacking the most is any sort of cohesion in the midfield. And it's somewhat not surprising um, because of the way that we approach a lot of game, which is like one, a lot of times, one really fast speed. Let's go, let's go, let's go which is awesome. And then also it tends to be like somewhat frantic in some ways. Right. And like, that's why it's been difficult for us to break down teams that are sitting in those low, low blocks. So yes, I would say first 10 minutes, let's put them under pressure, see if they can deal with that, but also have the, the ability to make sure that we're not getting ourselves exposed and behind with Kaya Simon or Sam Kerr or Caitlin Ford, whoever's playing in kind of that three front, right? And then once we kind of have like that hell yeah underneath us, right? Then can we settle in and like start to find that cohesion and like have fun, just, you know, link passes because midfield wise too, I like Emily and Van Eggman um, for Australia a lot, but centrally is another area where I think that we can get after this team. And if we have the correct movement, if we have movement off the ball, we have um, the ability to keep play and also circulate the ball around. That's an area where we can exploit them as well, especially with um, 
our ball movement, but also just our, our pace and some of the, the creativity that we have in there. The balance oh, between, um, yeah, the balance between high press and, and going and that hell yeah mentality, Lori, and also uh, sitting in connecting passes is we haven't seen that at all. And you, you mentioned the midfield. They need to dictate the tempo of this game completely. Uh, last time out against Australia, the United States had moments in quick transition. Alex Morgan, I think, had one or two opportunities. Press had an opportunity that weren't clinical enough. But in those moments, that 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 comes from the midfield. When they can win the ball or defensively win the ball, connect with the midfield, and then understand that there's a foot race up top and it's press against Australia's back line, press is going to win that every time. Play that long ball Put on a quick transition, see if you can get in behind. And then it comes down to exhaustion a little bit as well because this has been a long, hot, humid tournament with quick turnarounds. And these players are no spring chickens up top. There's a, there's a few of them that are veterans that have been around. So if they can't run and press high for 60, 70 minutes before they get rotated out, that's where the balance comes into play and dictate the tempo of the game the way that the United States wants to and needs to. But if they can high press, I think the first 10 minutes, like you mentioned, Lori, is so indicative of how the rest of the game is going to play out because if they can put Australia on their heels a little bit and show them show them their teeth almost, the, their bark, and then later in the game give them their bite as to how they can attack in so many various different ways and connecting the passes. But it comes down to the midfield being connected with the rest of the team on the field and truly just dictating the tempo of when to go on quick transition and then when to put high press on um, and then when to just pass the ball around and try to shift open Australia. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. A medal is on the line for both of these teams. It'll likely be a big battle. Let's start wrapping up. I'm going to ask you both for a prediction, and I want you to bring the energy with it. What do you think is going to happen in this bronze medal in this bronze medal match? Who's walking away with the bronze? Oh my goodness! I actually haven't thought about the prediction. So this is awesome. I like being put on the spot like this. Um, I am going three-one U.S. Go big or go home, quite literally. Yeah, wow. and we might even just need to start adding in more goals because that's really what this, outside of some games, like there's a lot of goals. I like it. Season. I like it. How about you, Lisa? I like that prediction. Um, I, th- I think Australia will get one, so I'll give them one. I, I want to go four U.S., um, but three in the first half. Can I do that? Can I make it really specific? Sure, you can do whatever whatever you like. This is, this is our show, Lisa. We need to know what's your prediction. Yeah, I'll I'm, I'm going that. USA, baby. I think they're going to end out uh, this this Olympics uh, with a bang, with a statement. Maybe not the color medal that they wanted, but they're definitely going to leave uh, with their heads held a little bit higher than they have been throughout this Olympics. Uh, and I think it's going to be 3-1 as well. I think Ellie Carpenter is a huge, huge piece that's going to be missing for Australia. And while I think we've all been talking about some of the uh, defensive question marks, even on the United States side of things, um, I think we've been seeing some really good performances out of somebody like Tierna Davidson. And I would love to see her get that start in the bronze medal match. And uh, if you're asking me to compare defenses, I'm still going to go with the United States. And I think that that's going to lock it down. And I think that the attackers are going to be upset and want to get those goals. So I'm going 3-1 as well. Yeah. All right. Real quick. quick, um, PK or not a PK on Tierna Davidson for you all? Oh, man. (laughs) 
Oh, that's yeah. so hard, Lori. That's so hard. So no, my heart says no. But when you watch the replay, it, yeah, it happened inside the box. Yeah. So by by definition of the rule, which yes, that's it was a penalty. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in a world where there isn't, you know, VAR and there isn't these, you know, fraction by fraction, second mm -hmm. by millisecond reviews, it's let go. In a yeah, different, yeah. in a different Olympic year, it was year, let go. Let it go. was let go until the AR said, "Hey, you should take a look at this again." Yeah, and no one put up a stink in the run of play. No, Lori, no. what yeah. about you? Not even uh, Deanna Rose, really. I mean, credit to to Rose put Deanna under pressure quickly, right? And then yeah. got herself in a position to draw that foul. I think what's un unfortunate is exactly what you just hit on is like, you know, to to us, everyone viewing and even the referee and even players on the field, there wasn't enough in it, right? There yeah. was, just wasn't enough in it. You're never going to score a goal from that position. It just wasn't. And it was like a player that was like facing her own goal in the very corner, a couple inches would have been out. Right. And then go to yeah. clear a ball and then happen to connect with a player that she didn't even see. So harsh, 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 harsh. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, listen, uh, yeah, love or hate it. VAR is really, really, we didn't even make. We should have made of like we let, that'll be another <laughs> prediction too that we could close out. Yeah. Do you think VAR is going to make an appearance in this in this bronze medal match? Probably no. In these yeah. Things, yeah, you know what? I'm just like I I'm pumped for this game. I'm really curious to see how um, how Australia comes out because I think that's the biggest that, that has been the biggest surprise. And I don't want to continue this on, but like really, I think we expect a lot more teams to sit back, right? And they haven't, and that's. Uh -huh presented a whole nother challenge to the U.S. Um, and why I think a lot of those strikers haven't been able to get in in the game as much. There's they're not they don't have anything to press because the other teams are not sitting back. Right. So it's like, how do you get our strikers involved more when the buildup is in a different area of the field? So we're going to find out, Lori, we're gonna we find are. Out real quick. It's coming up August 5th, United States versus Australia. 4 a.m. Again, folks, if it's too early for you, just know that you can see through it and join us on this. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.